Hello, welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fontleroy. So good to see all of you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Today is May 9th, 2023. I am your host, James Fontleroy. Come on in, have a seat, and grab a snack. Well, grab a snack first, then have a seat. Which order is it? Anywho, welcome. Come on in. <laughs> So good all to see you. The JB Font channel is av available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1, on RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4, and the Savvy and JB Show on Thursdays at 6. And also, if you guys would like to, if you guys would be so uh, be so inclined, you guys can also go to my Substack. You guys can go to jbfont.substat.com if you guys would like to get email notifications for whenever I go live or upload any clips. Also, to thanks all the patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as members. Thank you so very much. And yes, I need to update this list. In fact, I'm going to do it right after the stream. But yes, thank you so much to the patrons of Patreon, Coffee, and members, as well as any subscribers and people who may send me anything via various platforms that are in the description below i appreciate it so very much did i i thought i did something i didn't do the thing i was supposed to do because i was busy um so yeah and thank you so very much for that uh there's a few stories that i'm gonna be talking about um one of them is gonna be a very somber story but i'll be talking about that as well um but there is some stuff that came across my view that I was like, you know what? This is some stuff that we need to talk about. And um, so, yeah. Uh, but first, before I go into that, I want to play a little something. Uh, I was going to do a cold open, but I was just like, yeah, nah, I'm not going to do a cold open. I'm just going to, you know, play this. But I, I definitely want to show this to you guys. Um, because I, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was good. I may even close out with this, but let me get this up right quick. And this is a banger. And then I will get into saying hello. All right. So hang on. This is going to be a cool message. Make sure that I get this up. Let's go. All right. Compliments of the Communist Party in Kenya. <laughs> All right. We've been used and neglected for like centuries. With the riches, the resources, still in poverty. They put our forefathers through a lot of suffering. Why do they hate us this much? I'm still wondering. In the 60s, they gave us independence. I can lie, this move us to defend them. Africa is free, that's how they pretended. They are shamelessly living in enslavement. They gave us some debt that we could never pay back. 
Inji tana wa resources was the way out They control our leaders who can save us Big up to Gaddafi tried to unchain us They took you down but all you did was tell us A lot of false story about you was made up We didn't believe at the time that they hate us And all they meant was nothing but enslave us They exploit us in return we gave nothing If there's, war, there's a lot of war funding A lot of black kids are used to sleeping angry Fuel food prices are always rising Innocent solo massacred in Congo It was nothing to them, it was normal As long as they get what they want, they will never stop But how long will allow this to go on? They've set up corporations that they used to steal from us We offer cheap labor, but less in return We be put solo and clothes are second hand Africans, you are at the mercy of this hooligan We don't have the present, but think about the future They are looked at what they do is useless We've been ruled down in poverty for sure They gave us tea with salt, we no sugar We've been brain dead, still in our slave chain It's a shame, shame that nothing we have gained, gained This is a blame game, freedom is a main aim Rather gain from this pain and true independence I say don't have the present, but think about the future They are looted, all so they do is use us We've been ruled down in poverty for sure They gave us tea with salt, we no sugar We've been brain drained, still in our slave chain It's a shame, shame that nothing we have gained, gained This is a blame game, freedom is a main aim As I came from this pain and true independence I tell you strip a drink, they left us. Our local industry have been taken over Greedy from the west world, our controllers They stolen our doctors, we left with no one They've done our leaders to their puppet We're living in a world that is so imperfect This in trouble war, this is a war of classes Because we all lose when they read the budget Our oil and our gold are their target They exploit us, we give thing and preserve them Our road are so poor and never lasted If you try to oppose them, you are hunted In Africa, no money means no justice In health facilities, they are poor surface No empowerment to youth who are idling We are being controlled by capitalists If you don't have the present, but think about the future They are looked at They do is useless We've been ruled down in poverty for sure They gave us tea with salt With no sugar We've been brain drained, still in our slave chain It's a shame, shame that nothing we have gained, gained This is a blame game, freedom is a main aim Rather again from this pain and true independence I say don't have the present, but think about the future They are looked at, all they do is use us We've been ruled down in poverty for sure They gave us tea with salt, with no sugar We've been brain drained, still in our slave chain It's a shame, shame that nothing we have gained, gained This is blame game, freedom is a main aim Rather again from this pain and true independence attain That was great. Uh, that was actually from the party, uh, the Communist Party of Kenya. So I wanted to uh, show that. And if you guys actually saw the lyrics, it was actually talking about really the history of how Africa has been treated 
by the West and the global North. And so this was something that they actually shared with me. And I was just like, oh, shoot. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually shared it on Twitter and I actually wanted to show that on my channel as well, because I think that a lot of times we don't realize, uh, and it's exactly what Michael Parenti said. He said, there's no such thing as a country only overly exploited. And we see that out of all those countries in Africa, they're all overly exploited. There was a meme that was showing how you had piles of rocks on the Western countries and you saw these deficits, uh, these holes that were dug in the global South, especially. Uh, and so that just basically shows that, you know, these countries, they have they have the wealth. And in fact, I I personally like to call Africa and South America. They are the pantries of the world. And then these countries, especially from the global north, they grab, they grab, but they leave nothing left for anybody else who's there. So thank you so much to the Communist Party of Kenya and to the International Magazine for showing for showing that. That was a great job. And it was also deeply informative and very conscious building of a song. So thank you so very much. Now to the chat. Say hello to everybody. You have the Quantum Alchemist coming in, leading the pack, saying, Hi, JB, your laziness does not exist book has flaunted with my mind. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting a lot out of it, and I will be continuing that book a little bit later this week. Yes, I am reading the book by Dr. Devon Price, Laziness Does Not Exist, on my channel. So if you likes, would like to, you can go into the playlist for different readings that I have on here, and you can go into the, the Laziness Does Not Exist by Dr. Devon Price, you can go into that and you guys can also watch and hear my uh, con uh, my conversation about you know the different contents of the book. Janice Anderson coming in saying, was speaking to an Uber driver yesterday and he told me the drivers only get 25 to 30% since Uber is in fact acting as an agent. It should only take 12 to 15%. More than that should be illegal. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about that Thank you so very much for that, Janice, as well. Old man Barker coming in saying, hey, buddies, China and Canada just expelled each other's diplomats. We're going to get into that. So good to see you, old man Barker. Yepex says, morning, all. A little bit of good news. I may be getting a cat today. Oh, cool. Says, been months of failure trying to find a match. As J It is as JB said, we like them kitties, both kinds. <laughs> Thank you so much, and congratulations, Yepex. Serena coming in saying, greetings, comrades. I'm still shaken from the Allen, Texas mall shooting. It's pretty close to home. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of know how I feel because uh, I'm about I'm less than 10 minutes away from the Pulse nightclub. I feel just take it, you know, day at a time um, and try to. Remind. Uh, unite with unite with your neighbors in order to help change the country, you know, and you know, and try to help educate them, you know, you know that could help, you know, ease some of the the feelings that you may have. It, it's not going to take them away completely, but you know, hopefully it helps. But I'm very sorry about that. Um, so we have Bryce Smith coming in. 
saying, what up, JB? Sup, everyone? Good to see you, Bryce. We have Red Dove Rising saying, hey there, and greetings, everyone. Good to see you, Red Dove Rising coming in. Hot. Ryan Wagner coming in saying, education now. Yeah, definitely was educated a lot. No, I'm happy about that. We have Mouse FF says, I love music that supports the struggle without sounding pedantic. Right? That is really, really cool. Um, you know what? I should uh I should have tagged Jesse Jet because he's definitely into music like that. I, I think I should. I think I'll I'll try to do that after the stream and tag Jesse Jet. Jesse Jet would love something like that. And, oh, oh, oh. And um Awkward. Awkward. I will also really find a lot of value in that too. I think I should tag them. They would absolutely love that. So yeah. Thanks for putting putting that in my brain. Thank you. All right. We have Kill Your Egregor says, Hi JB. Hi, Kill Your Egregors. All right. Good to see ya. Good to see ya. All right. Just saying hello to all the people I didn't get to say hello to. All right. And then let's check on the rock. All right. We're good there. Okay. So what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, so there's three stories that we're we'll talking about today. Uh, so we have Cold War in China, Uber Eats drivers and tears. We're going to be talking about that. And then tragedy for Glenn Greenwald will be our final story. And I have a few things to say on that. So one of the first things I want to talk about is the Uber Eats driver in tears. So this is going to be um, kind of a quick segment. But I just wanted to share this with you guys because, um, you know, I was talking about what's going on with Uber drivers, I think, in the last week. And that they're here in Orlando, they are going on strike. Uber and Lyft drivers, really. And so because of that, um, they are just sick and tired of being sick and tired, basically. They are constantly being... Uh, short change as far as what they are getting in compensation because they are um, because they are independent contractors they do not get a actual living wage by law they do not get benefits actual benefits and then on top of all that um, the these companies, basically scalped them for a lot of money uh, that really should be going to them. And so that's something that I think that a lot of people really need to take into consideration when it comes to a lot of these people who work for ride shares. And a lot of these ride shares are also now in the food delivery business. And the food delivery business had a major boom in 2020 due to the pandemic. See, everybody was staying home. So people, if they wanted to eat, get something out to eat, then they just ordered through these apps and then they have the food delivered to them. So it's not the old days when the only places that delivered food, especially here in Florida, was, you know, Papa John's, Domino's and Pizza Hut. And though those days are over because if you want Greek food, you can order Greek food. If you want Spanish food, you can order Sp Latino food. You can order Latino food. If you want... Uh, burgers, you can order burgers. You can do basically do all that. And there's different companies that you can do that with. You can do that through Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub, and the like. And so this gentleman, uh, an Uber Eats driver, 
is in tears and I am going to be sharing this really quick because I think that people don't realize the human aspect of what a lot of people who are in these gig workers, these gig work go through. And so let's go into that right now. So share screen and all right. Uh, and this says, this caption says, y'all, I wish who order Uber Eats or DoorDash understood what it's like to be a delivery driver. Let's listen to him. No, I wish people knew what it was like to deliver Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, all these companies. I just spent an hour driving around for a dollar and 19 tip. I mean, would it hurt y'all to tip us, throw us $5? I got a dollar and 19 tip and $2 from the app. What's that? That's not even enough to cover gas. How, how am I supposed to survive like that? Homeless, I'm there. This that I'm sitting in, it's gone. Four months behind, there's no way I could pay for that. Everything fell apart on me. I haven't been able to sustain myself, provide for myself. And these are essential services. I just wish people knew what it was like. I wish they understood what it was like to drive to these services. Does your heart hurt? Because mine does. My heart hurts. He said he drove for an hour and got $1.19 in tips. My biggest issue is people will go, well, they charge us all these different prices. And so therefore... You know, if we can't tip, then we can't tip. We can only do what we can do. Well, I do see your point as far as these companies charging all these different fees, which is true. You're using these people and you're pushing that exploitation as well. We're both getting exploited. But at the same time, here's my thing. If you have transportation, why don't you get in your car and go and get it? Now, there are some of us that don't have transportation, which is fine, right? Okay. Like for people like myself, I don't have transportation. But you should factor a tip in because I feel like if you go to a restaurant, you factor the tip in and your food cost. This is no different than going to a restaurant. No different. So if you're going to go, well, I just didn't have enough money for tip, then I guess you better take your ass to the grocery store and cook some food at home. Or if you're going to get something that you don't really need to cook, then then when you go to the grocery store, get your food from the, you know, that's microwavable and zap it and eat that. But you're not going to sit here and use 
labor and then not pay for labor. See what I mean? Now, there's there's two different people at fault. There is the person who ordered, who does not want to tip. And then there's the companies that make it so that these drivers have to rely on tips in order to survive. So one of the things that really got me mad was some of the comments. So Human Nature says, homeless Uber driver cries after getting a small $1 tip, asks, how am I supposed to survive? Um, so this is actually, this is actually a good, a good, a good one. Uh, Arcane Saint says, I always tip extra on DoorDash. They are literally driving you food. If they shop extra for that as well, you tip servers, you tip drivers. If you can't do that, do not order off the apps or go out. And that's basically, you know, my thing. Um, I'm just looking because I actually I saw some of the comments yesterday, but I haven't seen uh, some of the latest comments says if food service drivers were as mad as the people paying them for not paying them enough as they were mad at people just trying to be as well. It's frustrating. We don't understand, but we're not the ones you should be mad at. Um, You're the one that ordered the food. You're the one that know, you know, you're the one that has the option to tip. And you can, you know, they even give you the option of how much you can tip. And then you can even go above that. So if you're not willing to tip, then guess what? <laughs> Don't order from them. Don't go out. You know what I'm saying? That's my problem. You know? And then it says, um, Oh, yeah. It says, America, stop expecting the consumer to voluntarily subsidize your ability to underpay your workers. Yeah. And so this is something that, you know, people are we're constantly being told that, you know, people have to work based on service. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, you're leaving it to them to not pay at all, even if the service is good. Which is slavery. <laughs> like what? I'll put it to you, this. May, I may sound harsh. I may sound harsh. But if you're going to say that I, there's times where I just don't want a tip because I just don't have it. Well, then you're basically trying to force somebody to do labor for free, which is slavery. Are you down with slavery? My thing is, if you're not down for slavery, then you're also not down for forcing people to do work for free. And if you're not forcing people to do work for free or for below a living wage, then I suggest you make contingency plans to get food for yourself. Because if you can afford to get Uber Eats, DoorDash, places like that, then you can afford to go to the grocery store and get that stuff. But at the same time, there are some people who are who can't do that, which is a lot of people who are disabled. And for them, I say, if you can afford the tip, then go ahead and do it. But if you can't afford the tip, 
then try to order groceries so that you won't have to get them over and over and over. You know what I mean? Try to do that. But that's the problem. It's, you know, you got a lot of people who feel like, you know, well, I don't need to, to order them a tip. And then people get mad when um, some of these drivers, they see that the person doesn't tip. So they just leave the food at the restaurant. They don't even they don't even take the order. And so people are like, where's my food? Where's my food? You didn't tip. So, <laughs> you know, what I mean, because the thing is that I can understand if these companies actually paid a living wage for drivers to actually deliver, but they don't. So these drivers are literally driving for damn near free. And then you don't tip them. So then what? What are, what are they supposed to do? I just don't see that as fair. And as as a socialist, as somebody that has solidarity with workers, I'm like, look, if I were to go to a restaurant, I better have tip money. I better. Unless I'm in a circumstance where I don't have anything to eat and I am desperate, then okay, fine. But other than that, no. And if you need to learn how to cook, you're on YouTube right now, aren't you? Go ahead. People will teach you how to cook on YouTube. Soul food, too. Good food. But the thing is, you cannot sit here and keep blaming others because this guy is literally working. And please do not come at me with that. Oh, well, they just need to get a real job. They are. They're working. They're working. What are they supposed to do? And then on top of that, you got a lot of these companies that will go, oh, well, there's a bunch of companies that are hiring right now. But a lot of these companies are doing what they like to call quiet hiring. Well, they'll have job postings just so that the government sees, oh, well, they have job postings. But in reality, they're not hiring at all. And in fact, what they're doing in these companies is that they're forcing their own workers to work even harder and to work double for the same amount. And then these workers are, even though they're getting the job done, these employers do not want to hire more people because now they know that these workers can actually do the same job with half the half the staff. So now that a lot of these jobs are running with skeleton crews and then they're raking in all these profits. So then people like this guy, guess what? He can apply for a job, but they ain't going to hire him. And then try hiring somebody without an address. Let's try, try doing it. Try doing it, hiring somebody without an address. And then this guy's talking about how he's, I think he's four months late on his car payment. So there's a chance where they can repo his car on top of that. This system is unsustainable. It is unsustainable. Let me show y'all something. see something let's go to quarter four 
trying to I'm trying to get this. Um, because these companies are raking in a lot of money, and people really need to see this. So let me share my screen really quick. Sorry about that. Something just like not going very well. But anyways, um, this is out of Reuters. It says DoorDash put profits on the menu. So look here. It says this is out of New York. It says this is last year. DoorDash is taking the same route as technological peers. The 22 Billion-dollar food delivery company unveiled its plans on Wednesday to slash its workforce by 6% or about 1,250 people in what has become a familiar refrain from Silicon Valley. Following boss uh, Tai Zhu's blog post about the decision, its shares jumped 4%, recovering a morsel of the 75% decline in November 2021 peak. So it says top-line growth, it says, which has been the main... Uh, course at DoorDash and elsewhere will be relegated to a side district says the nearly five billion in revenue generated in the first nine months of this year represents an eightfold increase in the same period in 2019. Five billion dollars. And so people are sitting here, you know, really like one of the biggest people who we should be going against is the CEOs and the shareholders for these companies. Because people like this gentleman should not be living this way while doing this work for him, while doing this work for them. You know, and this, it really pisses me off you know, because it, it should not be this way. I'm going to show you guys this, and this is going to piss you guys off. It's really going to piss you off, but your, your outrage needs to be fuel for going up against people like this. So this says executive pay soared during the pandemic, widening the gulf between CEOs and employees. These were five execs who received the largest pay packages in 2020. Uh, so let me go down. Um, Tony Zhu. CEO of DoorDash, number two. DoorDash is Tony Zhu, became the second 
highest paid executive in 2020 with compensation valued at $414 million. 2020 was a breakout year for DoorDash as the pandemic forced people to stay home and food delivery orders balloon. DoorDash went public and a highly anticipated IPO in December. $414 million in compensation. And people are living homeless in their cars trying to deliver for companies like this. For Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates, Grubhub. And you got this guy raking in $414 million. This is unsustainable. So, you know, my heart goes out to that gentleman uh, for what he's going through. One thing I will say is for people, especially who are hungry and homeless, if you can donate to mutual aid, like for instance, I want you guys to look up Food Not Bombs, okay? Food Not Bombs is a mutual aid organization, and um, it, it, they do great work, uh, especially for people who are homeless. Now, there are some cities that will go, oh, you guys can't be giving food to homeless people, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they will either get a ticket or they will get, you know, arrested. Um but it is worth it because you're literally saving lives, right? I'm gonna share my screen really quick. Um, so here's Food Not Bombs. It's foodnotbombs.net. And the quote here says, a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. That's from Martin Luther King Jr. And so Food Not Bombs does great work all over the world if you can if you guys can see see there's their locations right so uh they have different chapters if you would like to join uh there is you know you can volunteer so this is food not bombs different locations um so i highly recommend anybody if they want to try to help people, you know, especially those who are hungry, uh, food, not bombs, if you can, uh, because people are starving out there and it is not right that you have people who are literally homeless that are literally working. He's working and he still can't make enough and he's literally in tears. So. If you guys can donate to them, donate to them, you know, help them out. If even if you can't physically do anything to help them. So, yeah. So that was the story uh, that I wanted to talk, touch on. Um, and from what I'm hearing is that gentleman um, also 
Um, I think they have a link tree, I was told. But sometimes people may use opportunities like that to um, some people may use opportunities like that to, you know, scam other people. So I have to be careful. But that video got 20 million. Uh, that video got 3.6 million views. 3.6 million. Because people are suffering. trying to think so yeah but let's go to the next story oh before i do that let me go to the chat my apologies guys Um, you see, lose therein. Talimon says, I don't order from these gig services because I don't think it's ethical to use a service that doesn't pay its workers a wage. Yeah. Hey, dude, dissidents. Good to see you guys. Nice to have you. I didn't know you guys were in the chat. Oh, dude, dissidents says, I drive for these apps. Would love to discuss this with you sometime, JB. Dude. If you're available, I'll 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 let you come on the, on the stream right now. Just say the word. But if you want to do it at a later time, that's cool too. But just letting you know. Um. But yeah, hey, hey guys, follow Do Dissidents. They do great work, by the way. Just click on his on their uh their avatar. Go to their channel. Give them a follow. Come back here and continue the conversation. By the way, I actually had him on. <laughs> a couple months back. Um, you see, Mouse SF says it was a trip living overseas when nobody tips. Uh, your boss just pays you enough to live. How crazy! How cray cray is that? Yeah, like how crazy is it that you actually get a living wage just for doing the type of job, the work? Net Rando says peace and prosperity from Canada on Victory Day. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, they're spelled celebrating Victory Day in Russia and China because today was the day to declare victory over defeating the Nazis. So, yes, happy Victory Day. Red Dove Rising says the anonymity of our times is a contributing factor. I don't know the person, so don't care. You'd never do that to a friend. Small communities is what we need. That's a really good point is uh you know we need to start to get to know our neighbors as much as we possibly can so that when things actually do happen it hits us here because once it hits us here then guess what then we're like oh my god what's going on and i think that's one of the things that's making it so tough in this country uh there's so many people who just it if something bad happens and if it doesn't affect them it's like yeah it's out of my mind i don't really care it's like whatever and it's like no, it's literally affecting people that are, you know, indirectly connected to you. But people don't really get the sense of, they don't get a sense of outrage because it just doesn't affect them personally. 
And so it, it, there's that empathy factor that I think that is lost among people. Cicely says, I've had DoorDash uh, delivered to my house multiple times. That wasn't mine. Did I take it? No. Even when I didn't have any food in my fridge and was hungry as heck because I would feel so guilty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, that food's just going to rot. <laughs> it's going to go bad. I will tell you this. They're not going to come pick it back up. Uh, the persons whose food it might be, they might go to that location to pick up their food, which I say, okay. But at the same time, there's contingencies in place. If the food doesn't get delivered, the person can complain and then they can have the food re-delivered uh, right afterwards. So I would tell you this. Do not feel bad if food accidentally gets delivered. Just take that as the universe saying... Here you go. And then that person will get their food redelivered. They won't have to pay uh, anything else. You know what I'm saying? So if it happens by accident again, if it's food that you can eat, because I know some people have certain dietary restrictions, if it's food that you can eat, uh, then guess what? Take it. Take it, boo. You know what I'm saying? Take that as the universe saying, look, I want you to live longer. Eat. Okay. You know. So don't feel guilty. Oh, shoot. Do dissidents. I don't care if your kids are there. Shoot. They could join in the stream, too. <laughs> I'll send you the link really quick. Um, uh, and I'll send it to you. Um, I'll send it to you via uh, Twitter. Hopefully I can find you. Can I find him? I don't know if I can find him. This will be interesting having do this and his back on. Mm. Found it. And. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting story. You know, I, I really actually want to talk about. All right, do dissidents just just shared it with you. So if you want to jump on stream, you can. I don't mind the kids. Kids are cool. Um. So yeah, it's there. Let me go back to the chat. Yepex says, my liberal family says there's no reason to be outraged, which enrages me even more. <sighs> Your empathy is what creates a sense of outrage. So yeah. Absolutely. I think that that is very important uh, to have and maintain that sense of outrage. So keep it and, you know, use that sense of outrage to uh, talk about these things and bring it to home. Keaton, if you're ready, just give me a thumbs up. All right. So, hey, man, what's up? Hey, Keaton. Good to see you, man. Uh, great to see you, as always, my friend. Can you hear me all right? I don't have any of my equipment set up. This was just an impromptu thing. No, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, yeah, I can see, I, I can hear you, and I can see you quite fine. 
Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, no, I just figured I'd, um, yeah, I just, I volunteered to talk to you because I, I drive for these apps myself and uh, mm-hmm. what a, what a horrible thing to see. I, that was the first I learned of it was just watching your show right now. And so I do want to reach out to that guy. I know he has a link tree um, mm-hmm. just to give some advice, you know what I mean? Um, because the thing about these apps is, as you said, it's, it's absolutely brutal um, they don't not pay a living wage. They don't pay anything. You can sit logged on to Uber for three hours. And if you don't get an order that's worth taking and you don't take any orders, you don't make anything. They don't guarantee you anything. Um, there's zero guarantee of any wage. Um, now, the key is when you drive the apps, the thing about being an independent contractor that sucks is, yeah, there's no guaranteed wage. The thing that can be nice about it is you get to pick which orders you take before you take them. So when you get an order come in on your screen, it'll tell you how many miles you're driving, where the restaurant is, where the drop off is, and what your guaranteed pay is for that order. It doesn't tell you the tip, but it tells you the guaranteed pay. So each order comes with, say, a two, three, four, five dollar base fare, depending on how long you're driving, which is it's low. Like if it's a four or five mile delivery job, it'll probably only have a two or three dollar base pay. And then it'll say, but it will say what the total amount is. So if you are discerning and disciplined about which orders you take, you can do fairly well, but you have to reject all the lousy orders. That's how it works. So like, it'll say, okay, here's a delivery from Applebee's to this house. You're going to be driving six miles and your guaranteed pay is four fifty. dollars mm-hmm. Turn it down. And the nice thing about the independent contractor is you're allowed to turn down any job that doesn't pay well enough. Now, the thing is, if you find yourself in a desperate situation, you might just take lousy orders, which is going to get you in that situation where you're not making anywhere near a living wage. Um, My philosophy is, you know, let the 17 year old PMC kid who's driving his parents car, let him take the lousy orders. Like if you're depending on this for a living. You got to only take those good orders. And so there is a way to make money on these apps, but they absolutely do exploit people who either can't do the mental math in their head as quick to figure out what's worth taking, what's not, or people who just feel like they have to take every order or else they'll get in trouble. Like these apps exploit the fact that people are ignorant of the rules. And by ignorant, I don't mean ignorant to any fault of their own. I mean, you work a job, you expect to have to stay in good standing with the boss, right? Mm-hmm. Uber, DoorDash, Grubhub, there are no bosses. You're working for Skynet, you know, the Terminator movies. You're working for robots. Like, there is no boss. There's yeah. no human element to this whatsoever, which is freeing in a way, but it's also intimidating in a way because there are not worker protections in place. There are not – there's no HR department to go to if you get screwed. I've been screwed out of money, screwed out of jobs where you'll go – You'll drive five miles to go pick up an order and the customer will cancel the order and you'll get paid a dollar as a consolation for having driven those five miles, which doesn't even cover your gas. So it's a brutal it's a brutal way to make a living in the sense that um, you really are on your own and all the company cares about is getting every order filled. So they're never going to tell you only take the orders that are good. Only take the good ones. But that's what I wish I could get through to guys like that when I see on the screen. I emailed them just now. I said, well, I'd be happy to talk to you on the phone about, you know, how to make more money at this because 
There are things that these companies will never will never tell you. They will withhold that information on purpose. For example, Uber has this thing called an acceptance rating where they incentivize a high acceptance rating, meaning you accept X amount uh, of trips as a percentage of requests that come in. Oh, if you accept 70% of rides, you get gold status, you get platinum status, you get this, which is what, like a 20 cents off a gallon of gas. Like the status rewards are nothing. The only status that makes a difference is how much money you're making per hour. What is your wage? But they don't speak in those terms. They, they come up with all these bullshit ways to trick the drivers into making Uber money, making that CEO money. I mean, what a sickening figure. $414 million. Yeah. I mean, just and- incredible. And my my one of my biggest things is that and I was talking about this with the uh, Uber driver, Uber and Lyft drivers strike here in Orlando, is that some of them also get their they also can get locked out of the uh, out of the app uh, from mm-hmm. time to time if they're not doing what Uber wants them to do as far as the acceptance rate. Right. And so because of that, then what ends up happening is. You know, it's like, well, we can't make any money. It's like, even though we were well, making that, it just a little, now we can't make anything at all. That should not be allowed. That should not be allowed. My acceptance rating on Uber Eats is like 10%. I only take 10% of the orders because most of them are garbage. I only take the good ones. On DoorDash, my acceptance rating is like 12%. As an independent contractor, they cannot coerce you into taking a job you don't want. That's that's not allowed. So if that's happening there, then they have to blow the whistle on that. They have to. Yeah, and... And so they were talking about this. Uh, and in fact, uh, I was, I talked about this last week. And so uh, they were, this is why they were on strike uh, in the Orlando International Airport last week. And I was upset because I couldn't get down there because it was happening on one of my dialysis days. I had to come home, I had to sleep. And so I wasn't able to get down there. But my problem is, is that these companies are becoming more exploitative as time goes on. You know, and as we see, you know, I'm looking at, look, I'm just looking at, you know, the United States. I'm like, man, we need to do a French style. (laughs) You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like people are scared because if they try to rise up, then, of course, you know, you have to deal with what's going on as far as basically, basically we live in a police state. So it's it. You know, this is why I'm like, look, if we're going to rise up, we have to rise up in a unique way that they wouldn't expect. And this is why, you know, talking to your neighbors and being able to converse with them and let them know, like, look, you know, I see you, I feel you, and we need to come together because this is an unsustainable system. And in educating people on why it's unsustainable, I think is also very important. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And it's especially pressing and urgent when it comes to rideshare work and app work, because like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, you know, we don't work for a boss. We work for a computer. We work for an algorithm. Um, They view us the same way we view them. We are just numbers to them. They, They do not acknowledge us as human beings and will never acknowledge each individual as a human being. The only way they will respond to human need and human pressure is through collectivized human effort, right? Because look, you work at a pizzeria, maybe that pizzeria own then maybe that pizzeria employs 10 people. Now that pizzeria may pay you like shit and it probably does. But you're one of yeah. 10 people that has direct contact with the boss. So they at least see you as a human being. They might treat you like shit anyway. In most cases they probably do, but you are flesh and blood. Yeah. 
us Uber drivers, man, mm-hmm. DoorDash drivers, Grubhub drivers, I drive for all of them. We are nothing. We are nothing but a number to yeah. these uh, people. And they're not people. They're robots. We work for robots. And so the only way to catch their eye is to do it the way the Orlando drivers are doing it. Um, they have to make their voices heard collectively in an organized way. And if that's true, that they're being penalized for a low acceptance rate, that is a complete violation of terms. I mean, that that is not the way it's supposed to happen. The whole point of being an independent contractor is you run your business through Uber, right? So if you are a rideshare driver, the way Uber sets this up, the way they pitch it to you is you don't work for Uber. You are running a drive a rideshare business. You're running a basically a taxi business using the Uber platform to get rides. And you pay Uber their mm-hmm. commission rate that they set. We don't. Um, in exchange for them hooking us up with gigs. That's the way it's supposed to work. So once once they are able to tell you, you must take X percentage of offers we give you or else you lose access to the platform, that's a violation. That should not stand. That, that cannot stand. And so they have to make that known if that's what's going on. Yeah, so I'm going to show you what I showed everybody last week. This is out of Orlando Weekly. It says nearly 100 rideshare drivers Mostly people of color rallied at airport Lakes Park as part of a planned work stoppage to formally announce their demands for Uber and Lyft. The two most popular rideshare companies, drivers say, hold on to a bulk of what the charged drive passengers, forcing drivers to work multiple jobs or to work long hours to make ends meet for themselves and their families. And so this is actually a pretty long article. Um, and it says, uh, it says the the guild, uh, let me see, according to the organization's website, it uh, says they fight for the right to collectively bargain in addition to securing living wage for Uber and Lyft drivers fighting unfair deactivation in which a driver is barred from picking up new rides on the rideshare app. And so this is some of the stuff that's going on uh, with these companies. And, you know, they are basically forcing them and forcing them to work under the rest. And whenever I speak to someone about, uh, you know, because a lot of times you'll have people that go, well, you know, they have the option whether they want to or not to to do, you know, said thing, you know, when it comes to work. And I'm like, no, not if they're under the rest. Right. A lot of people realize that what the rest actually means and the rest means threats, violence, constraints or other actions brought to bear on someone to do something against their will or better judgment. So this is uh, synonymous compulsion, force, pressure, and intimidation. So people are literally working under duress in order to survive. And that is absolutely morally wrong. And you have these companies and these corporations that are forcing people to continuously work under duress just to make these people, these billionaires, money. For instance, $414 million in compensation. It's just absolutely sick, man. It's absolutely sick. Because I know, like I said, I do it. I drive for DoorDash, and sometimes I can do pretty well. But even when I do pretty well, man, it is, it's such a hustle just to scratch out the bare minimum of what you can live on. And these guys, man, they just they come up with an algorithm that works. Think about it, man. These are transportation companies. They don't call themselves that. They call themselves, you know, logistics companies. They're transportation companies. They have not bought a gallon of gas ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. A transfer CEO of Uber's never bought a gallon of gas for any of his drivers. And yet mm-hmm. look at the profits that they sit on. 
for basically creating a network, creating an app, creating a formula and just replicating that formula, you know, in thousands of places all around the world. That's all they do. And 414 million while these drivers can barely scrape by if that. All right, man, I I have to run because my kids need things, (laughs) as you can probably hear one of them. (laughs) I got you, buddy. Don't worry. I'm on my way. All right, JB, great to see you as always. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. All right. And so, you know, if you guys would like to go to do dissidents, uh, they have a great channel. They do great work. Go and follow Do Dissidents. Uh, you know, Keaton and Russell do amazing work over there. So thank you so very much for adding that in and stopping by. Um, just to go here, uh, it says Purple Philosophy. Thank you so much for the super sticker. Appreciate it very much. That means a lot, especially to me on this channel. Uh, that's uh, That was great. Thank you so very much. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of what uh, Keaton had to say regarding regarding that and also giving tips to how to, you know, maneuver. Bill Bradley says lots of people not in a ruling class also have no morals. Our society is failing, falling into hedonism. There are fewer and fewer moral positions left. You know, you know, in, in regards to that, I think part of that is I think we're being brainwashed out of moral morality. We're our ethics are being brainwashed out of us. And so when that happens, then People start to think like, like the corporate dictators that are over them, right? And so I think that we need to start using our voice. We need to be the loudest people in the room, you know, because once we become the loudest people in the room, then we can start to shut these people out, but also organizing so that groups of us become the louder people in the room. So let's go to some more comments because you guys have been shitty, chitty, chat, chat. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, this is a good point, Red Dub Rising. And apps harvest your information or resell them, making them more money. Nobody reads the terms. Yeah, that's also a really good point. Yeah, Brian Wagner says, Geospa- a geospatial AI overlord. Did you guys ever see uh, iRobot? My logic is undeniable. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, gamer. Good to see you. I didn't get to see you say hello to you. Good to see you in the chat. All right. Gorgazilla one says, hit the like. Yes, thank you so much. Be sure to hit the like button, everybody. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so very much. I'm trying to find some ones that I didn't get to say uh, hello to as well as. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Candles Boat 504 says, I like the comment earlier about if we create more community, it helps humanize all these jobs. That's true. Actually, uh, I I think you said it better than me Um, because I think that's one thing that we need to do is just humanize each other. So, yeah.
Abeg says that was informative. I will tip more after this. Yeah, I think solidarity with your workers also means in making sure that they aren't exploited. And if you can tip a little bit more, then make sure they're un not exploited. But and that's what we do in the meantime until we can take these corporate dictators out of power. Once we get these corporate dictators out of power, then we'll make sure that the people who are driving for these companies, that they're actually well compensated for the work that they do. All right. So also let me go to Rockfin to say hello. Oh, we got Rory in the, in the Rockfin chat. So good to see you. And then I'm going to be moving on to my next story. I was not expecting to go this long in the story, but Keaton came in. I was just like, Keaton, let's have a conversation, brother. So thank you so much to Rory O'Neill. Hang on. Let me share the screen just so that I can display it just like I do with everything else. Bum, 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 Mr. Sandman. Okay. Rory O'Neill says, happy Tuesday at JB's. Good to see Rory O'Neill. All right. So what's going to be the next story? So I'm going to be talking about this. I kind of want to keep in the stage so I can go into the next story and talk about it with him with this kind of impromptu. But he's got, he's a parent. He has kids. He got to, he got to, you know, do his parent thing. But the next story we're going to be going into today is Cold War on China. Uh, so China continuously is being uh, made the boogeyman in the West. And while, you know, these 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 countries are not perfect. Uh, China, from what I observe, is doing some more positive things, things that I think that the U.S. should be doing, but they don't do. Um, and so now what the United States is doing is just they're they wrong for that. That's all I got to say. Uh, so let me go to my list because I got a list. And yes. OK, so there is. uh there's something that I need to show y'all. Let me see. Let me take that down. Uh, I'll keep that and take those down. Okay. Share the screen, JB. That's right. We're going to share a screen. Give it to me. Hit me one more time. All right. So it says U.S. and Taiwan in talks, oops, in talks for U.S. $500 million in free weapons after arms deliveries stalled. Subtitling says Taiwanese defense minister says the island will receive free supplies, including missiles and training, in addition to existing orders. So the armaments are expected to be those readily available in the U.S. inventory. So this came out yesterday. Says Taiwan in talks with the Pentagon for half a billion U.S. dollars in free weapons following delays and much needed arms deliveries. The island's defense minister said on Monday, Defense Minister Chioku, 
uh, Chang told the Taiwanese legislator that the talks have been underway for at least four months, confirming for the first time that the United States would send them free munitions. This is dangerous. Dangerous. Why? Because you are literally going across a red line that China said, do not cross. You're literally playing with fire, not just fire, nuclear fire. And you're foregoing the one China policy that you guys have been adhering to for decades. And now look, now look, the United States is playing with fire. It's not enough that we had two House speakers within the last year go to Taiwan and they're like, yeah, that's a red line. Don't cross. And now they're shipping free weapons. Well, technically it's not free. Nothing's ever free, especially when the United States is concerned. But free weapons to Taiwan. Quote, these extra weapons will be given to us for free and will not be deducted from the purchase list, which has been delayed by the United States, Chu said when passed pressed by lawmakers on the deal. Taiwan has complained of delays to U.S. weapon deliveries, including Stinger missiles and advanced F-16V fighter jets. The U.S. authorized the sale of 250 Stingers to Taiwan in 2019, but the shoulder-mounted missiles have been in demand in Ukraine. Asked what kind of weapons will be involved, Chu said, they will include missiles and some logistics services to help me help train our soldiers so that they will be familiar with the weapons operations as soon as they arrive. And so I'm going to show you guys this video really quick. Uh, hopefully I will not get a copyright strike because this is technically fair use because this is news. But let's go. So I'm going to keep the music down, but it says tension remains high in Taiwan. Sorry. It says tension remains high in the Taiwan, Taiwan Strait as PLA military drills entered the third day. The People's Liberation Army started simulating precision strikes in Taiwan on April 8th. It says mainland state media said patrols are surrounding and closing in on this island to circle it. Here's the thing, though. The crazy part is if if we go by the one China policy, Taiwan is basically a province of China. Like, how are we going to sit there and act like Taiwan is some independent country? Like, is Alaska an independent country? Is Florida an independent country? Is Hawaii... Hawaii is really not the best example, but, you know, Hawaii should be an independent country. Puerto Rico should be an independent country, but they're not. But the thing is, the United States has really no moral leg to stand on. Like, my, my thing is, if you're going to try to liberate or help, you know, uh, Taiwan, then American Samoa, Guam... U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Alaska, uh, shit, Texas. Like, y'all need to let all that go. 
Let it go. Let New Mexico go. Let California go. Let Puerto Rico go. Let them go. But you don't want to. And yet, you're trying to throw, like, don't throw stones in glass houses. But yet, that's what they're doing. Anywho, so it says PLA aircraft flew dozens of sorties uh, near the Taiwan Strait during the joint sword exercises. These drills are said to be test of PLA ability to seize control of the sea, air, and information. Uh, let me see. So, hang on. all right, so. You began the Taiwanese president Tsai Ing-wen returned from a stopover in the United States. I met with top U.S. officials, including U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, on her transit stops. Because the meeting angered Beijing, which accused Washington of violating Chinese sovereignty, which it did because we they had the one China policy. And they basically did violate Chinese sovereignty. So, of course, Beijing would be upset. And the United States is like, you know, too bad, so sad. But would the, you know, how would the United States, how would the United States feel? If China did the same thing to Alaska, well, we need, or, or, or even still, let's go to Puerto Rico. The United States did this to Puerto Rico. Right? So a lot of times people will look at the United States and go, well, we're just trying to help the people. And I'm like, well, you know, China could do the same. But then people will be ready to fight. So it is no reason to say that, well, if China's ready to fight, stop poking the bear. Ay, ay. Tsai's meeting with McCarthy was the first time a Taiwanese leader has met the U.S. House Speaker on American soil since 1970. U.S.-China tensions have worsened over Washington's interactions with Taipei. In August 2022, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taipei as part of a tour of Asia. Prompting similar conversations. Beijing, Taiwan, and the province of the United States 
And the thing is, is like people are going to say, well, they, you know, they're trying to force their way, you know, to keep it. And, you know, you have the United States trying to force their way into China. Most countries sovereign state. But many oppose possible attempts to take the self-rule island by force. Here's my thing. If China really wanted to take Taiwan by force, like they how can you take something that's already yours? First of all. Second of all, even if uh, if China wanted to take Taiwan by force, they would have been done it. They would have been done a long time ago. So why in the hell wouldn't they? Because it's already theirs. You know, that's like that's like the continent of Africa trying to, you know, claim um, Madagascar. You know, Madagascar is already part of Africa. It's been part of Africa. Just, even though it's an island right off the coast, it's still part of it. Am I crazy for thinking that? Weird. In Taiwan, the mainland's biggest military exercises have elicited a huge response. This is good. This is Taiwan should be very surprised. Yes, I think 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 she said, I said, I thought unification would not create any major problems for me. I think China is kind of issuing a warning. Across the strait in Fujian province, mainland tourists voice for. for Base support for the drills. Sorry. 還是比較希望能夠和平收復的嘛。然後畢竟軍演啊什麼的都是說可能給就是是展現我們國國力強大的一個部分吧。然後呃像蔡英文他串串美這件事的話,呃其實國家的回應我覺得是麻 好的，是也是不会，既是打打击了他嚣张气焰，也是给我们就是全国人民一个信心吧。我们一定能够收复台湾。So that's basically what's going on, and you know the United States is consistently. Uh, trying to poke the bear as far as China is concerned. And there's some other things that have been going on that uh, were really re very recent in the news. And so I'm going to share this with you guys as well. I'm going to show you guys a tweet from Carl Jha. You, know, you guys know that he was here about a, a little over a week ago. 
and we were talking about some things uh, regarding China. Uh, Carl Ja is Chinese, and so he was speaking about, you know, the things that go on in China and some of the misconceptions. And Carl Ja uh, quote tweets, he says, Canada expels Chinese diplomat. There will be consequences. And let's see this statement. It says, Canada declares Zhao Wei persona non grata. And persona non grata just basically means uh, unacceptable or unwelcome person. And so it continues, says the Honorable uh, Melanie jo Jolly, Minister of Foreign Affairs, today issued the following statement. Canada has decided to declare persona non grata Mr. Zhao Wei. I have been clear. We will not tolerate any form of foreign interference in our internal affairs. Diplomats in Canada have been sent have been warned that if they engage in this type of behavior, they will be sent home. This decision has been taken as I'm sorry, been taken after a careful consideration of all factors at play. We remain firm in our resolve that defending our democracy is one of the utmost importance. So this is what is being accused of Zhao Wei that was a diplomat in China. But I would like to actually go into this conversation between uh, Canadian Deb and Carl Ja. This is actually very interesting. Uh, Canadian Deb says, you don't see why this action will be taken, Carl. Honest question, not looking for a fight with you or any of your followers. Wondering if you can see the, quote, reasonable reason behind what you find unreasonable, end quote, in this matter. Sometimes when we disagree with the conclusion, we can still follow the logic that the other party took to get there. Is that the case here? Carl actually responds and says, let's look at the facts. Canadian intelligence, CSIS, claimed China is collecting info on Michael Chong, who has family in Hong Kong. Chong said that he is not aware of it. Then the CSIS claimed likely to effort to intimidate Chong, even if we take CSIS claim of China collecting info on Chong as true. It looks like China hasn't done anything beyond collecting info. Why would China collect info on Chong? Well, China sanctioned Chong in 2021 for pushing Uyghurs genocide nonsense. I imagine you need to find about his financial dealing in China to sanction his derriere. Anyway, China has decided to embark on decoupling from Canada has decided to embark on decoupling from China that U.S. hawks desperately wanted. So be it. Canada can live with its consequences. And so this basically shows. Um, that what's going on in Canada, that this is, uh, there is, Canada is, is, is choosing its side, you know, and it's basically that the little brother to the United States. It is the little annoying brother to the United States. That's what it feels like to me. That's what it seems like. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, China also made a move. So let's go and check and see what China did. So China, China said, uh, oh, real talk? Okay, bet. 
So this is out of People's Daily China. It says China on Tuesday, which is today, ordered a Canadian diplomat in Shanghai to leave the country by May 13th as a countermeasure, the Chinese FM said. So this is actually what's going on. So it's like, well, China's like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, your diplomat needs to get the step in now too. Kick rocks. So, you know, there's a lot that's going on in regards to China right now. And there's this like vitriol that's going up against China, but it's like, what vitriol has China really ignited that is really a cause for concern? Because things like the Uyghur genocide have actually been debunked by many different people. Um, you can go to those different various resources. And so what is really China doing? Like people will say, oh, well, China's having a lot of influence on African countries, yet China was one of the ones who actually canceled the debt. I think it was 17, 17 different debts that they canceled. And even still, of course, China wants to have some influence. Every country wants to have influence. And they're going about it by actually giving, you know, uh, giving these countries infrastructure, but they're not doing it in a forceful way like the United States does it. They're like, as long as we have friendly relations and, and friendly trade, you know, if you guys will have that and we'll have loyalty between each other, then that's how we'll do it, right? You guys still seeing me, Louis Theron, Talamon? Uh, I went out for a second. My my Wi-Fi went out for a second. My internet went out for a second. Hold, just let me know in the chat, but I'll keep going. Um, but yeah, so a lot of these countries, you know, a lot of these African countries are, yeah, you know, basically using soft power. Um, and I don't really see a, that big of an issue with it because it's really helping out the people. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Bill Bradley says China's using what's called soft power. It's not coercion. It's creating goodwill and thus a desire to work together. And that's basically what I see. You know, thank you so much for that, Bill Bradley. Always coming in with the, you know, you know, elevating the conversation. I appreciate it. So there's something that I found <laughs> that a lot of people are now starting to look at. And for some reason, I was just like, hmm, this could be a concern for the West. This is out of Bloomberg. It says China's gold splurge reaches six months as reserves rise again. This came out a couple days ago. It says China added to its gold reserves for the sixth straight month, extending a flurry of purchases as central banks around the world expand their holdings of bullion amid escalating geopolitical and economic risks. China raises gold holdings by 8.09 tons in April, according to data from the State Administration of Foreign Exchange on Sunday. Total stockpiles now sit at about 2,076 tons after the nation increased reserves by about 120 tons in the five months through March. Central banks have 
purchased large amounts of gold in the past year to diversify assets as well as to protect reserves from the impact of weakening dollar and rampant inflation. While inflows moderated in the first quarter of 2023, volumes were still historically elevated levels, according to the World Gold Council. Singapore, China, and Turkey were among the biggest buyers. The voracious appetite for gold has helped prices scale near record highs as markets fret over a slowing U.S. economy and signs of a persistent credit stress, geopolitical risks stemming from increasingly fragile Sino-American relations are also boosting a safe haven upon appeal of bullion. China's recent buying spree that began in November is is a first since a 10-month run that ended in September 2019. Prior to that, the last wave of inflows ended in late 2016. Meanwhile, China's end of April current foreign currency reserves rose to $30.2048 trillion, up by $20.9 billion from the month before the data showed. It says rise in the foreign exchange reserves was a result of U.S. dollar depreciation and rise in global financial asset prices. The foreign exchange regulator said in a statement, China's economic rebound will help the reserves keep basically stable. So... China is now swimming in gold. Not looking so good for the United States. Not looking so good for the de-dollarization. Not looking so good for global, you know, U.S. hegemony. Not looking good for full-spectrum dominance. So the United States is ramping up. They're like, oh, my God, we got to go out to China. China's going to. They're going to be so prosperous. They're going to make us look bad. China's just doing what it can for its people. Is China really the enemy? I don't see a whole bunch of imperialism coming out of China. Do you? I don't see it. But the problem is, is that it's kind of like, um, oh, I got it. Husbands. You ever had friends that their anniversary was coming up or, you know, wife's birthday, something like that. And your friends that are a married couple, the husband does this big display right? They take them on a big trip. They get them a really big present. They do something really grand, beautiful, large type of thing for for their spouse. And then the husband gets mad. He's mad at the other husband. Because now the wife's looking at the other wife and going, well, my husband never does anything like that for me. I would like for something like that. And so the husband gets mad. He gets jealous. Instead of stepping his game up, he gets mad at the other husband. The United States is that husband. The United States is going, trying to step in their game up with their people. Absolutely not. Not on my watch. We're going to make them pay. Instead of stepping their game up for their people. 
China has four times the people that the United States has. Four times more than we do. Yet, landmass is similar. China has a similar landmass than the United States. But the United States does not do as well for its people. What was it? China, um, they got rid of, of extreme poverty in their nation. Now, they still have some poverty, but extreme poverty is gone. Gone. Carlos Jaw was on here about two weeks ago. It, what is it? He said 80% of Chinese people own their homes. The home ownership rate in China is 80%. Meanwhile, we're floating around 65% here in the United States. If you count white people, it's like 65%. If you count black people, our home ownership rate is probably between 45 and 50%. So, yes, thing is, is that the United States is basically just a jealous husband that he can't do for his wife because he just chooses not to. It's not that he can't. He can. But he just chooses not to. Meanwhile, China is like, <laughs> hey, hey, honey, I'm home. Here's a bouquet of flowers. You want some chocolates? Here's some chocolates. It's not our anniversary. It's not my birthday. I don't care. Just because I love you, baby. But the United States is like, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. She knows I love her, even though it doesn't show it. So, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. And the yuan is on the rise. I'm going to go to the chat real quick. I'm telling you, man, this is some crazy stuff, man. The United States, and they're trying to get their little pestering little brother Canada to join in. All right, to the Rockfin chat. So we have Jenny saying, listening in, thank you for this. Thumbs up. Thank you so much, Jenny. Appreciate it so much. Let's go to the other chats. All right. Baba Yaga Forest Dweller says China is doing what America should have been doing. I agree. I agree. Now, I'm not saying China's perfect, right? China got a lot of things that they need to do right, too. But they are operating better on the world stage than the United States. And you got to remember, China got, what is it, one point four billion people billion with a b and they were able to get rid of extreme poverty meanwhile we got 330 million we got a quarter about a quarter of what they have and we can't do that for our people we can't increase the home ownership rate in this country.
The quantum alchemist says you catch the most with honey and vinegar, speaking from experience. <laughs> oh, gosh. You slay me, quantum alchemist. Red Dove Rising says, as the self-proclaimed rulers of the world, yes, they should have at Bata. Bill Bradley says, we're in the death throes of the U.S. Empire. Agreed. It's going down. Guarantee you better meet me going down. Ryan Wagner says, can't wait to tell my kids about this point in history if we make it through. I hope we do. Candles Boat says, we could be building rail systems, creating green jobs, taking care of our people. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Yes. We could, we look, we could have high speed rail crisscrossing this country. We could, we could, but we don't. We could be having high speed rail so that I can get from here to New York in six hours. I can get from here to California in a day. We could do that. But the United States says, no, 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 no. Because we need the corporations. The corporations need to make the money. And then we need to exploit because if we you don't exploit, then that means we're not gonna have our billions. We need our billions. Meanwhile, when billionaires in China actually end up exploiting people, they actually end up, end up in prison. Give me that system. People will tell me. Bill Bradley says, to be fair, gold does not have a whole lot of use value. Even its value is based on largely being pretty. If it goes to hell, gold is worth nothing. Food is the real wealth. Thank you for that. Actually, that makes a lot of sense, too. Abeg says that's intentional and, des and designed why home ownership is kept low for African-Americans. Right. Let's talk about redlining, baby. Bad Cookie says they're ending up in prison for now. Capitalism. News analysis with Arturo says we need high-speed rail from Boston to Seattle or from Seattle to Oakland. But oh, we need it all over. Mm -hmm. And Red Dove Rising says time to buy a farm. Uh, we, we could, but we would have to literally have to wrangle it from Bill Gates' hands because he's literally one of the largest owners of farmland in the United States now, which means that he has... Basically, ownership of a lot of our food. Welcome to capitalism. So, I'm going to be moving on to the next story. Um, this is going to be a sad story. Oh, boy. 
I'm sorry, guys, but I got to get into this one. Uh, I I usually like to end my streams on happy notes, but this one is tough. But this one needs to be talked about. And this is in regards to Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald is okay. I will start off with that. Um, so you guys don't have to worry. Um, but when we talk about uh, people who are especially in independent media, as well as uh, people who are in journalism, you know, certain things happen and we have to talk about it. So the last one we're going to talk about is tragedy for Glenn Greenwald. And I'll let you guys know why that picture is up, why the way it is. So I'm going to share a tweet uh, from Glenn Greenwald. He wrote it in Portuguese, but thank goodness for translation because I'll be reading it. Uh, okay, so Glenn Greenwald says, It's with great sadness and regret that I announced the passing of my husband, David Miranda. He will be 38 years old tomorrow. Damn. His passing this morning comes after a nine-month struggle in the ICU. David passed peacefully, surrounded by our children, family, and friends. So you see there's pictures of him with his family and his husband, David. He continues, says, David, life was extraordinary and of every way. His mother died when he was just five years old, leaving him an orphan in Jacarezino. A beautiful neighbor, uh, Dana Elaine, welcomed David and despite poverty and already having four children, became David's mother and gave him a chance at life. She gave David the chance to live up to his enormous potential, overcoming the barriers for a boy like him. He was central to the reporting of Snowden, an openly gay and first openly gay man elected as city council in Rio and later as deputy. His biography, passion, and strength inspire many. This is why it's important. He was a journalist and reporting of Edward Snowden, who was basically a whistleblower. So this is them with Edward Snowden. So this is why this, this is why this is very newsworthy that we have to report on things like this. Glenn continues, says, David's origins fueled many preconceived notions in those who didn't know him. Anyone who knows him would attest that there is no one with such a strength and so full of life. He was very proud to be chosen by Time magazine as the next generation leader. Says, but above all, David's biggest dream, what filled his heart the most, is his biggest purpose was to be a father. He was a devoted and loving father. He taught me how to be a father. And our amazing children with their own difficult beginnings are David's greatest legacy.
when David arrived at the hospital late August 6th, I was told there was a little chance of surviving of him surviving that week. Heard the same three times since then. Being David, he refused. The last four months have given our family the most beautiful moments together. David was unique, the strongest, most passionate, most compassionate man I've ever known. Nobody had a bad word for him. I cannot describe the loss and pain. I will do my best to honor his legacy, our children and NGOs. And I know many will celebrate it and its impact. Thank you, President. And this was uh, the condolences from President Lula da Silva of Brazil. It says, thank you, President. And for everyone expressing love and prayers for David and our family, it means a lot in the last nine months. David heard them all. And it is and will be a testament to the extraordinary impact he had in a tragically short time. <sighs> David Miranda was the same age as me. My deepest condolences to you, Glenn Greenwald, and to your family, to your boys. It, it, it is sad to see your loved one go, but it's also sad to see a journalist that had the guts to report on what's going on, especially against the United States. You know, that is that is a brave man. And so I just wanted to extend my deepest condolences to you, my deepest condolences to the Brazilian people for losing a, a, a wonderful journalist, especially. Uh, so, you know, I've never had Glenn on. I, I want to, I would like to have Glenn on in the distant future after you've, you know, gone through your mourning process, but when does it ever end? You know, I, it really doesn't, it just, you just learn how to deal with it. But I'm also talking about this because I'm gay too. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, straight people will talk about, you know, losing, you know, their spouse, but you don't hear a lot about gay people losing their spouses. And so it's got to be such a difficult time. And if you, you know, you, you may have your reservations about Glenn Greenwald and things, and you can have those reservations, but be kind or be silent. Be kind or be silent. You know? Because I can't imagine what he must be going through. And the crazy part is, and I feel bad for this, that I didn't know that his husband was going through this. This is all brand news to me. This, this hit me out of nowhere. And I got the news from Sabby. 
Sabby Sabs texted me, Glenn's husband died. I'm like, what? So that's tragic news from Glenn Greenwald. You know, and my heart goes out to you. And I don't care if this happens to people who I don't disagree, that I don't agree with. I don't care if this were to happen to say, God forbid, Chank Uger or somebody like Anna Kasparian, or if it happened to Ben Shapiro, I wouldn't care. I would still say my condolences, and then that's it. Because it's about people and their lives, man. And I sent out my love to you. Condolences and solidarity as well. And um, if you ever need anything, whatever I can do, please feel free to reach out. I follow you on Twitter, so you can you can DM. But yeah, don't really know much else. But my heart's with you. So I'm gonna go to the chat really quick. Bad Cookie says, best wishes to his fam. Thank you so much. Abeg says, RIP. News and analysis for Arturo says RIP David Miranda. Uh, that cookie says so true, JB. The morning never ends. It just subsides until something reminds you. And as somebody that just walked, lost my grandmother, I'll be going to her memorial in a couple weeks. Man, this, this shit hits you like a ton of bricks. Thanks, Bad Cookies. I appreciate it. Condolences to Glenn Greenwald, praying for the Miranda family. Thank you very much for that Kendall's vote. Appreciate it. <laughs> I see what you said, bad cookies. I don't want to read it, but yeah, I'll read the last part. But Glenn doesn't deserve this. Yeah. Um. Baba Yaga Forest Dweller says it pisses me off that Glenn gets treated the way he does and people don't realize what people are going through behind closed doors. 
that's that's a point. It's a good point. Candles boat says, "I love Glenn. Good point, JB. We're all human. We all hurt. We lose when we lose someone we love. Doesn't matter what political party, beliefs, disagreement, etc." Back to keeping things human to heal society. And oh yeah, thanks, Quantum Alchemist. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But yeah, so that was the bad news that uh, I had to bring to you guys. But yeah, but you know, he got to say goodbye which is somewhat of a positive thing, somewhat of solace, you know. So, yeah. But uh, I just want to, you know, uh, thank you guys for watching today. This was a really great conversation. Thanks to Keaton for jumping on, you know, impromptu like that. That was great. Appreciate that very much. Um, also, stay tuned. I will be getting into Asada Shakur's autobiography. Uh, we'll be going into chapter what, thir- 12 or 13, chapter 12. So I'll be getting into chapter 12 next. I uh, can't wait to get into that. Also, I did a live stream on Sunday evening. Uh, I was reading uh, chapter two, part one of uh, of Laziness Does Not Exist by Dr. Devon Price. So if you guys have not, then you guys can tune into that. Um, so I'll be continuing to reading, uh, this weekend, but I think that, you know, this will be a great, uh, you know, great watch for you guys. This one is actually really good because it really got deep into, um, talking about different types of laziness, lazy people, lazy people, but then it went into more of what's the motivation to why they're lazy, you know what I mean? And it went and, you know, Dr. Devon Price goes into that. And it really just it, this this part of the chapter was cathartic for me. And I would love to have Dr. Devon Price on to discuss their book, because this really helped me a lot, especially as somebody that's a big procrastinator. Yeah, I'm a big procrastinator. So I, I really appreciated that. So if you guys have not picked up this book, go ahead and pick this book up. Or if you guys just want to hear me read it. You guys can go into, you know, this channel, go into the playlist, uh, Laziness Does Not Exist, and you guys can start, you know, watching from there. So thank you so very much. <clears throat> Roger Meadows, <laughs> thanks for the, the the two bucks. Says, hold on, Jay. I'm in New York State with Keaton. Got rocks. Lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roger. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to extend things out a little bit, but uh, yeah. So um, that book was was great. Um, um, Holistic radical. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Says. Oh, you guys were talking about something else in chat. Lose therein, Thalman says, I don't know. I can definitely be lazy when the mood strikes me. But that's what the book was actually talking about. That's the interesting part. 
is that really one of the things that explains is that that lazy feeling isn't really laziness as the moral failing that people are saying. It's really your body telling you to chill out because you're overwhelmed either mentally, emotionally, or physically, or all three. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't talk about. And we're constantly being demonized for not producing because we live in a capitalist system that puts your value and what you produce instead of your value as just being an intrinsic value that you have within yourself as a human being. Because we have a system that's built on production and then consumption. And I think that's something that we need to talk about more often is that do we really need to produce this much? Do we need to have this many TVs, this many cars, this many mattresses, this many furniture? Do we need this much stuff? And then when it comes to the food, look, uh, a lot of people and a lot of people may not know this, but a lot of these food companies will throw out perfectly good food just to keep their food prices at a certain level. Even farms will dump milk they will slaughter chickens and cows and then just bury them. They'll euthanize them. And then all that meat and produce is thrown away just to keep the prices at a certain level because that's how capitalism operates. And so we don't really need to produce as much as we think we do. And if we went to a more central planning model, then number one, we wouldn't need as much of these products, number one. But number two, a lot of these products that we have, we wouldn't have to worry about this plan obsolescence where it's planned on breaking down in a short period of time so that you have to buy it again. So yeah. Baba Yaga Forest Dweller says, what is laziness? Is it hopelessness? Is it drive? Is it asshole driven? <laughs> uh, it could be hopelessness. It could be a lack of drive. It could be so many different things. But I, it actually discusses it in that, in that book and the latest chapter two, part one, where I was reading. So I think that would be great to, to tune into. That cookie says, don't look at me. I've had the same mattress since college. I should really get a new mattress. Yeah, you're really supposed to change between every uh, six to eight years. I actually used to sell mattresses. Um, I'll put it this way. If it if your sleep quality and your physical comfort is still okay, clean the mattress, put a, you know, put a, a, a cover on it, and keep it moving. But if your sleep quality goes down and things like that, then try to get yourself something new. But test the mattresses out at the furniture store or the mattress store that you go to. And then try to get it, you know, at a lower price, you know, online or something like that. And a lot of times they'll try to talk you into getting the most expensive mattress, which is what I had to do. Sometimes they are worth it, but at a lot of times they're not worth the price. 
because they will inflate the price by a lot. So. Ryan Widener says capitalist overproduction is a mechanism of wealth extraction. Steals the profits, don't feed people. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let me go into the Rockfin chat. All right. So homie came in the chat. All right, so let's see. What'd you have to say, homie? Thanks for the tip, Roger. He says, okay, I'm looking at the past on one phone and the present on the other. <laughs> he said, brother's talking about Uber Eats. As an Uber driver myself, let me tell you how this came about. When Uber first came on the scene and they specifically said, you don't have to tip. Customers interpreted that as the tip is included. We fought Uber five plus years ago to offer the tip option. Once we won, once we won it, people were so used to not tipping that they still don't. He said they still don't tip. You know how any <laughs> you know how annoying it is when customers says five stars and you feel like saying motherfucker <laughs> i can't pay rent with your five goddamn stars tip mofo it is more is even more annoying when people lie about going to tip and don't here's a clue if they say they'll tip that means they won't please come pick me up i've been getting canceled by drivers and i will give a good tip i learn when you see that cancel wow Roger continues says they are lying. Now, New York City is number is one of the only municipalities that has local government oversight called the Taxi Limousine Commission that properly regulates ride sharing. If you are a New York City TLC Uber driver, Uber cut is 30%, driver's cut is 60% after third party fees taken out. Now, Attorney General James, that's Letitia James, is looking at price capping surge pricing, aka gouging, at 10%. Now, a lot of drivers are being propagandized, led to by Uber to be outraged about this. Uber wants to call up AG's office and express your dismay about how the government are infringing upon our potential earnings by capping the, the surges. Uh, no, I am not going to fight the government on behalf of my exploiter. My issue is why do we have to depend on surges to make a living anyway? If you are so concerned about earning potential, then there is something you can do, like raise prices permanently. Uber should not be lower than taxis. We should be charging more than what they charge. Also, you are a global company. Uber can pay a wage of $70 an hour regardless of how many calls you take and how <coughs> much each call is. Where if you make less than $70 the hour, then Uber will make up the difference. As long as the app you're on is getting $70 an hour regardless, they kick you off after. Six to eight hours guaranteeing drivers 420 
<laughs> this is $560 a day, one and done, even if customers will pay more than the permanent price hike, but will be happier with stable prices so that they can intuitively figure out how much this call will cost so they can effectively budget themselves. Drivers won't be under constant anxiety over, oh shit, it's surging. Let me drop everything I'm doing, run out the house and pick people up. Check this out. Uber drivers, listen up. It surges on the customer's app first before it surges on the driver's app. Yes. So when it is read on your end, it has already passed its peak on the customer side. So you're not even getting the full surge price. It is on its way down. That's why you're like, you're like, hey, why is it I only got this when the surge was crazy? That is why. Just like if you have to depend on overtime for your eight-hour job to make rent, then that is not the job for you. Apply that to surges also. Here's my prediction. What I think will happen, James will cap it and Uber will be forced to raise prices, decrease their cut offer, more bonuses, or a combination of all of the above. Also, Glenn, you have my condolences. So I am like, go ahead, government make my day and kill the surges got you got you roger okay that makes sense okay thank you so very much for that all right so i'm gonna head on out i got some things to do uh plus a brother is hungry oh lord i got some i got a lot of work to do today but anywho uh, if you guys would like to, uh, I think RBN Live is starting right now. I got, I won't be there, unfortunately. But um, also, yeah, so stay tuned for the readings. I'll be getting into that. And I think Savvy's going live at 8 p.m. tonight. So, yeah, be sure to tune in for that. Anywho, thank you so very much to everybody. Um, you know, solidarity with the, you know, the drivers for all these ride shares as well as food deliveries, um, and, you know, solidarity with the workers in China. That's who I'll express my solidarity with as well as my condolences and, you know, heartfelt, um, you know, love and condolences to Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and his family. So. Have a self a wonderful day, everybody. Also, did you guys like the stream? By the way, did you like it? Go ahead and like. And if you have not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. I talk about these things quite often. And also, thank you so much to the patrons on Patreon, Coffee, and members. Thank you so very much for all that you guys do. Without you guys, I would not be able to do this work. So. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Look, and like I always say, you know, uh, you know, hug your 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 loved ones a little bit more tighter today. Okay. Water your plants, water yourselves, leave the world better than you found it. And tell the people closest to you that you love them. Even if you already said it today, just say it one more time. And let them know that they matter, how much they matter to you. 
because you never know when you'll be it'll be the last time you see them and also to people who you don't know be kind because you don't know what they may be going through they could be homeless and trying to deliver food to people as a means to make a living love you guys take care forehead kisses (sighs) Yeah. <sighs>